This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com. If you have your Bibles, open with me to the book of John, the fourth chapter. I want to talk to you today on the subject, the thirst of God. So many times we hear, and Pastor Jim mentioned it, we need to be thirsty for more of God. Isn't that true? But on the other hand, I think there are some things that we need to give to God, to put into God. And I want to talk to you about that today from a very familiar story about the woman at the well. Many of you know that story, and I've preached it so many different times. But I was telling Pastor Jim, it was about, oh, a month and a half ago, I was meditating on this portion of Scripture. And my son does pastor City Church on the other side of town, and I travel a lot, but when I'm in town, every once in a while, he'll ask Dad to uh, take the offering. Now, that doesn't mean I actually take the offering. Receive the offering would be a better word for it. And I found something in this particular portion of Scripture that I really believe God just spoke to my spirit about, and I've worked the message around. It's not a message about giving, but it does apply in every area. And I want us to pray right now that God will use his word and pour into our hearts today. And that something will spark a fresh and a new in us. And I believe there's always newness with God. Time to just grab a hold of who and what he is. So, Father, today, I thank you for Life Church. I thank you for the great lighthouse. I thank you for the great ministries and for the many, many people, hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people that have come through here and found Christ as their personal Savior. And, Lord, we're not done yet. You've got things for us to do and accomplish. And, Lord, age is only a state of mind. Lord, I want to keep working for you until the day I die. And, Lord, I'm looking forward to heaven, but I've got something to say today. And everybody said, amen. Uh, For many years, I was a jogger. And about, well, when we moved back to Utah, I quit. Now I walk. Uh, Me and my dog, we walk every morning when I'm in town and I pray in the spirit. I, I jokingly say that dog's heard so many tongues that I believe she's going to turn around one day and bark the interpretation back to me. So now I walk. But when I was running or jogging or whatever you wanted to call it, and we lived in Green Bay for years, every uh, summer, the first part of June, they would have a thing called the Bell and Run. And uh, it would raise money for Bell and Hospital, and we'd start by the hospital, and they would bring in... I mean, it's a big deal. There's like 20,000 people run, and Green Bay's not that big, but they come from all over. They even bring in some of the Africans. You know, at 10K, those guys run it in like 26 minutes, you know. I'm about 50 yards down the road when they're finishing. I mean, they're t- but uh, one of the things that you, you get there, and then they give you some water, and then when you take off, and usually that time of year is pretty hot, and, and about a mile and a half into the, into the race, There would be people with hoses and cups of water. And I'm telling you, after you've run in that hot, and all through the whole 10K race, along the sides and run through the town, the streets, uh, you you would do that. Now they actually have detoured a little bit, and you finish running through Lambeau. Okay, I know you, you Bronco fans, you won. You got the Super Bowl, praise God. Warren and I, you know Warren? He lived under the pulpit platform here. He's a good old Packer guy. And now they finish running through. That'd be sort of fun. I never got to do that. But the reality is this. When you're thirsty, when you, when you really want to drink. And I got to thinking about this as we talked about, and you're going to see Jesus sitting at the well, and he's thirsty. And he asks this woman, okay? 
And she, she had quite a checkered past. We'll talk about that in a little bit. He asked her for a drink. And I thought to myself, if God were to come by my house, would he find something that would quench his thirst? Would he find something in our life, in our family, that would fill him up with gratitude and good feelings, right? So let's believe God today that he's going to bless. Open your Bibles with me to the book of John, the fourth chapter, beginning at the first verse. I'll read some of the verses that will paraphrase because of the time of services, and we want to get you in and get the next group out. But are you happy today to serve the Lord? Amen. I, I'm just, I got up this morning, I was shaving my 70-year-old face, and I thought, well, praise God. You know what I mean? Are you with me? This, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice, and I will be glad. Therefore, when the Lord knew, this is verse 1, chapter 4, John when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more than disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize, he left Judea and departed for Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. Now that wasn't on the path that most Jewish people would take, especially Jewish rabbis, because the Samaritans to the Jews, they were half-breeds. I know they were into purity of race and all that stuff, and there was an argument about where they should worship. But, you know, Jesus needs to go, and we need to go where people need Jesus, right? Years ago, when I first came to assume the pastorate of, of Salt Lake Christian Center, Jim will appreciate this. A lot of people didn't think it was a wise thing to be an evangelical and go to Utah. Are you there? I had some friends, Jim, send me some sympathy cards. I'm, now, they were joking, but, you know, why would you go through Utah? Why would you go through that place? Why would you, what would that be the thing? But you see, Jesus always went where there was a need. He had to go through. That's the first thing I want you to remember today. Then he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, and near the pot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus was there being wearied from his journey sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now, as I was thinking and meditating on this passage, and we talk about giving, this is Mission Sunday. It's actually Mission Sunday at my son's church. They're doing a little thing. They're putting a roof and, and helping build a building in uh, South America, and they did a thing called Matthew 28, 19. So uh, they, they wanted everybody, they wanted 150 people to commit $28 and uh, 19 cents a month, and it comes out to 25 grand to pay for that price, you know, things like that. So this morning I wrote that check. Uh, I did four of them. came to $112.76. But, you know, we want to give. We want to give to the work of the Lord. We want to give to him. Now, here's Jesus. Now, you've got to understand, this is God's son. This is the same God that you read about in the book of Genesis that spoke the world into existence. He divided the earth, the seas. This is God's son who's now in ministry. He's walked on water, right? He's raised the dead. Hello? That's pretty good. Heal the leper. Pretty fantastic, right? And now... His disciples have gone into town to get some food. God's son had to go through Samaria, sitting on it. Well, why did he have to go there? Because he knew that there was a woman coming. Think about this a minute. 
Now, this wasn't your average sweetheart. Maybe she was, but she had let her life go down the drain. Are you with me? I mean, really down the drain. She'd been married five times, living with the sixth guy. And normally, the Jewish men wouldn't even enter into a conversation with a woman. So he's breaking all those religious rules. And by the way, religion never gets you anywhere. It's relationship that gets you somewhere. It's knowing Jesus that gets you somewhere. A lot of religion around here. A lot of religion back in the Midwest. So he, he asks her this question of, is this God, God's son, did he need really anything from this woman? Now think, I'm th I think about things. I got a little bit of a crazy mind. It gets crazier the older I get. I'm thinking... Okay, if I'm God's son and I'm thirsty and I'm sitting by a well, there's two things I can do. I can say, hey, Dad, son here, would you, would you just send an angel down with a cup of the purest mountain stream water from heaven that I've ever had and give me a sip? He could have done that, right? He could have looked down in Jacob's well that he gave to Joseph and said, hey, uh, speak to the water, right up to the top, right? Grabbed it, right? Could have done that. Isn't that true? But what does he do? God, if he limited himself in a lot of different ways, he uses people. And God's son is thirsty. He had to go through Samaria. Jim Ayers had to come back and come back through Utah to build this church. And it's been fabulous what God has done here. All of us, and, and things happen that we really need get a hold of in our life. Everybody goes through stuff. It doesn't matter to Jesus. It doesn't matter your track record. It doesn't matter how bad you are, how many marriages you've had, how much drugs you've taken. Jesus wants to touch you, and he's hungry for us to reach out with his message to people and touch them. Give me a drink. So he steps out of religious tradition. He does all of these things, and he asks this woman for a drink. Then he goes on and says, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said, give me a drink. Verse 8, for his disciples had gone into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who is, who is it who says to you, Give me a drink? You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I give shall become to him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said, sir, give me some of this water to drink. Now let's just sort of play with this a few moments. Let's think about this. He, here's the deal with Jesus. And here's what God showed me in this passage I never saw before. And I've seen it in every area of life. I told you already, he could have got a supernatural drink. He could have spoke to the water. He could have opened his mouth. God could have had a big supernatural squirt gun landed right at his mouth and gave him a great drink. But God is looking for us to do something, to give something, to put something in. 
I tell people all the time, you think God needs your check on Sunday or for you to go online and give money or to do that? No, but you need to do it. And you don't need to violate God's word because, see, I'm into God's word. God is everywhere. God is here this morning. God was there in my bathroom this morning when I shaved my seven-year-old face. He was with me when I drove out here. He's everywhere. And I love his word. I love his word even when it speaks to me about things in my life that I need to change. Are you there? So he wants us to put in so we can get back. Now, we think about this, and we go on in the story here. We see some things that are quite interesting. There's an old song, it wasn't old, and it was written in 1952 by a crippled pastor named Richard Blanchard. I love this song, I love it to this day. And he was musical, he was a cripple, he played in his church and would limp up to the pulpit to speak, and he had a counseling appointment that afternoon, and it was at three o'clock, I believe the story tells, and, and the woman didn't show up. So he, like a good pastor, instead of saying, well, you lose, he didn't go home and say, well, you missed out. But he went into the auditorium and he started playing on the piano. And he wrote these words, like the woman at the well, I was thirsting for things that could not satisfy. And then I heard my Savior speaking, draw from the well that never will run dry. Remember that chorus? Like the woman at the well. Man, I love it. Gives me goosebumps to this day. But let's just go back in all of our lives. Next January 3rd, I will have been saved 50 years. I got saved in a restaurant and gave my life to Christ. And then you look back at your life. And, and, and now Jesus, in a moment, will draw some stuff out of this woman about her life and tell her about her life. But I think about, we, I was raised a Lutheran. We went to church all the time. I'm not saying they're not Christians in the Lutheran church, but we knew it, but we didn't live it. You gotta come to a place in your life. But I was thinking about this whole thing, and it comes up next year. This lady, this woman, uh, Jesus enters into a further conversation with her, and uh, he said, go get your husband. And she said, I don't have one. He said, you're right. You've had five, and the ones you're living with now, they're not your parents anymore. Then he goes on, and he, and he talks to her about her life. Think about that for a minute. So I, I went back in my life before January 3rd, 1967, raised in a little town about 40 miles outside of Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I, I thought about some of the sin that I entered into. And I'm not going to get too graphic. Well, I'll get a little bit. I don't know if, you, if you've probably all been saved and sanctified and never done anything that is dangerous. I know Pastor Jim. He was just raised in the church, and he's just been wonderful. It's, it's a great, great testimony. It is a great testimony. When I was 16, I got drunk for the first time. Anybody here ever been drunk? Oh, you've got some, you've had some, was that, was that a slight hand that the youth pastor raised? Oh, oh. Let me tell you about the experience. Oh, they're out of here. Let me, let me tell you about my experience, okay? I'll tell you. So I'm 16 years old, and there was this little bar at Kangaroo Lake, and the guy, it was Harry's was the name of the bar. Now, they weren't supposed to serve you until you were 18, but this guy would serve anybody. If you, could, if you came in in a walker, Stroller. <laughs> he got busted a number of times. But anyhow, so my neighbor, they took us out there, and I got really sick. I went home, and you know, heaving, kneeling at the porcelain altar. Are you been there? Hello? Now you would think, you would think that one run at that would be enough. 
You'd say, I'm not doing this anymore. Why should I imbibe stuff that makes me sick? Where I lose sensibilities, right? Let me tell you about the next, well, I'll tell you about the next time. So, <clears throat> by now I got my driver's license, and I had been inebriated a few times in between. But this time I went out, and I really, really got drunk. And I was living at home, and I was home on break from college, and uh, I don't even remember driving home. Now, that's scary, isn't it? We got idiots running around the highway here behind the wheel. They don't even know where they're going. Or maybe this, their inner guidance takes them home. So it's 3 in the morning. Now, we had a dog named Susie, a Pomeranian. They were hairy dogs. And next, and, and in our bedroom, we had what was called trundle beds. And I was on the bottom. You pulled it out. You know what there? You pull it out because it was a small house. And we didn't have much. And my parents were just ordinary. Pull, pull out the bed. So I'm laying in that bed. Well, Susie, the Pomeranian, is in a basket next to the bed. And I got sick, and I threw up on Susie. And, and there were wood floors in there. My mother had to get up, give the dog a vomit-free bath. Are you there? And also, because of the acid in that puke, it took some of the finish off the floor. Come on. Stupid. Why would you do it again and again? That's the way sin is. Why You would think this woman, after the second marriage, would think, something's not working here. Right? But, but she, she had never tasted. She had never reached out and found out what it's about. It's like smoking. How many have ever smoked? <laughs> this is a church for sinners, I'm telling you. I'm glad... <laughs> Now, when I was smoking back then, when I was smoking back then, when I was smoking back then, it didn't say on the side of the package, the Surgeon General has determined, determined these things will kill you. But I remember the first time I smoked a cigarette. I started coughing. Hello? Are you with me? Even you don't need the Surgeon General. You just need God who created to tell you you shouldn't be putting that stuff in your body, right? Hello? But we've got a whole world full of people that have been deceived to think that these... Now, I never did drugs. They just weren't available. If they would have been, I probably would have been. And then I got saved. Then I got saved. And I did a radical 180. I littered. I went back, and Pastor Wilkerson, who led me to Christ and taken me to Chicago that day, we went back to his church. I got in my 65 Chevy Supersport. Nice car. Four on the floor, positive traction, 327. That big, regal red, it was a real chip mag, chip, a chick magnet too, I'm telling you. And I had a pack of Marlboros in the council. I picked them up and I put them down by the curb. Never touched them again. Never drank again. Boom! Like the woman at the well. I was thirsting for things that did not satisfy. And then Jesus came in, and he changed my life. And see, that's what the world needs today. That's why my main objective in life is to teach people how they can reach their neighbors, their family, and everything else. Now, my sister had gotten saved a little bit before our, us. It's a great story. Many of you have heard it. She died of cancer. An Assemblies of God woman in the other bed, when she got the diagnosis that she had Hodgkin's disease, she was three months pregnant, 
doctor said, I don't know if you're going to live long enough to have the kid, shared the Lord with her. Thank God for Millie Scott. Changed her life. And then, though, here's the deal. Now, what happens here? Now, this is a woman. It's interesting. This is a woman who's been married five times. Not my sister. This woman has been married five times. Living with a guy. Jesus tells her who he is. She gets him in a religious argument. She said, now, our fathers, we, there's this big argument going on about where we should worship. You see, that's the way people who, I was a religious person. I went to church. I had to if I wanted to eat in our house. That morning after I puked on the dog, on that Saturday night, they got me up and they were pretty mad at me, but I went to church, man, we're going to church. And then my sister gets saved and she gets rebaptized. Oh, we're all upset. What's going on? They dumped her. Don't you know that they threw a little water at her when she was an infant? Can't even prove that in scripture. Isn't that the way it is? People get in arguments all the time over religious, and they're living like hell. Isn't it true? Hello. I've got a good friend. We, in fact, I talked to him yesterday for a while. His name is Blake Murdoch. You've got to come and see us. You ever watch those commercials? He's the tall one. He does a lot of talking. We're very good friends. I was talking to him about Jesus yesterday, about my relationship. He actually went back to Green Bay. He and his, grandson, his son and my son, my grandson, and I went back to a Packer game. I took him to a church like this. He couldn't believe it. I took him to two. I took him to the church I built, and we started another church in Green Bay that was just named the 12th fastest growing church in America. Pastor's been there three and a half years. He took the church with under 200 people. They averaged 2,700 last month. Had over 800 people saved already this year in that church. It's phenomenal. God's, it's a, I was telling Pastor, it's a regular revival. And uh, I'm speaking at Life Church, not at, I mean City Church in, a, in a Father's Day. My son's going to be gone. You stay here. You've got a great pastor. You know, but, but I think he's going to come. It was about a month ago I got a text from him. He said, hey, Arnie, I'm speaking at my ward. He lives out in Lehigh or somewhere out there. He said, can you come? Now, I happen to be out of town preaching. I texted him back and said, man, I'm sorry, Blake. You ought to have been there. So I get back to town, and I email him. I said, how'd it go? I said, what did you talk about? He said, I talked about being in Green Bay with you and going to that church and feeling something I had never felt before. Are you with me? Are, you see what I mean? Now, let me just tell you what I didn't do. I didn't argue about Moroni with him. Didn't talk about old Joseph Smith up there in upstate New York, getting tablets and stuff. Are you there? Because religious arguments. Now, Jesus could handle this woman, but religious arguments, it doesn't work. You, you've got to get to the point where you say, you know what? I'm just going. I'm just moving. I'm not going to argue. I'm, I'm going to do what's right. And this tough woman is so excited because Jesus loved her. Now, if, he, if she, was, she was walking out with the water pot and he said, I want to drink, what if he said, hey, how are you doing? You loose liver, and I'm not talking about an organ. You, you, you're living with these guys, and you don't know how to make marriage work, and now you're living uh, in sin and sin and sin. She'd have hit him over the head with the water pot, and he'd have never got a chance to talk to her. Right? Here's what, here, here's what I'm telling you. We live in a world where we got to start reaching out and giving and fulfilling God's thirst by giving a drink of Jesus and a relationship with Jesus to everybody around us. 
You see Blake's dad's a big wig in the Mormon, he's, uh, Mormonism, he's over in Denver running something for the church and this and that. But you don't get on that, you give him Jesus. You, 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 we've got it. So here's the thing, the God who could walk on water, the God who could open his mouth and had a divine drink or raise the water in the well, met the woman where she was. And, and that's what it's all about, friends. I'm excited about what God is doing in your church here. And whenever you're building stuff and doing things, it's wonderful, but you got the ship prepared. I believe, and I'm, I, 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 I'm very, I think it's time you say, you know what? We better gear up for five or six services on Sunday. You don't necessarily need a big, bigger building. Just fill it five or six or seven times. This modern generation today, you got the 20-somethings hugging the pillow until the alarm goes off at noon. They're not about to come to your 9.30 or your 11 service. Hello, right? But if, if, if everybody engages at every level and you start saying, you know what? We are going to be, we're going to feed ourselves to God. Now, here's the thing. Here's what I got out of this when I was preparing to do an offering. It's like God could cut a hole in the roof, drop a piece of gold bullion here this morning. Your financial team could pick it up, take it to wherever they cash in gold. But see, you know what? You've got to put something in. That's, the, that's how Jesus is. He wants you to put, put something. He wanted that woman. He had what she needed, but she had to give him something to show that whole thing to him. So I'm telling you today, friends, if you're in this room and you're not tithing, maybe you think, oh, man, they're building this nice church. They don't need my 50 bucks on 500 or my 100 on 1,000. Shame on you because you're limiting yourself. And then when you're not putting in to the hurting people at work or the hurting people in your neighborhood, I tell you what, my neighborhood knows who I am. The Mormons know who I am. The Gentiles know who I am. Hello. And it's not that hard. And we have to get to the point where we see the sinners coming at us. And so many times we're repelled by what they did and how they lived. But some of you here know you were one of them at one time. Your pastor said to me this morning, he said, for a 70-year-old guy, you look pretty good. Just about done. <laughs> we had our uh, 50th class reunion in my hometown, and I couldn't go. But I went to the 40th. I maybe told you this before. But uh, one of my friends, who I led to Christ, his name is Dick Nelson. He's the one that told me when I got saved that I had been brainwashed. I just said, yeah, Dick, I had a dirty old brain. He did a good old washing. So he sent me a picture of our 50th class, there was 108 in our class and maybe 20 of them croaked, I don't know, something like that, I'm, I don't live around there. But I want to tell you what, when I saw that picture, Jim, it looked like recess at a rest home. <sighs> I tell you what, and then I thought to myself, Arnie, there go you, but for the grace of God. And there's two, there were two or three of them in the picture, my friend Tom Beam and Dick, and I tell you what, if I could blow it up and put it on the screen, I'll say, pick out the ones that look the best. And it had nothing, it's because they haven't lingered long, as it says in Proverbs, at the wine. They haven't, they've lived a, a clean, wholesome life. You see, we need to say, you know, we've got something to offer. And now I have a podium with all of them, like I've never had before. What's the deal with you, Arnie? 
You've even written a few books. I have to give Mims credit because I could never finish one of those books without Bob Mims. My, my English teacher, if my name was just on there and she saw it, she said, that's not Arnie that I had in my English class. Bob straightened out some of my verbiage many times. But the reality is this. See, God can take you and you can have a, a life-changing experience and you can be a young kid who smoked cigarettes, puked on the Pomeranian, hello, and turn him into something because I'm so hungry for God, but I want to give God what he needs. Stand up with me, would you please? This is Pastor Eric. Thanks so much for checking out our Life Church podcast. We pray that it's a blessing to you. For more information about Life Church, check us out at lifechurchutah.com.